This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Just want to say a couple of words before I begin. We are in our second week of a brand new series called Bearing Fruit in Prayer. And if you open up your worship guide, you'll look inside and you'll actually find an insert. Now last week, we looked at love. This week, we're going to briefly look at joy. And your insert will help you uh, this week to focus on joy. Uh, It has a spiritual practice there of prayer. And through prayer, inviting the release of the Holy Spirit in your life that you might exhibit the joy of the Lord. Of course, Nehemiah told us that it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Now, our sermon series is based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. And let me read briefly for you what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He goes on to say in, in verse 25 that since we live in the Spirit of God, therefore, as followers of Jesus, let us walk by that Spirit. And really, the context of this verse in the book of Galatians comes from a church that's divided. And And it's divided particularly on the topic of what is it that guides a follower of Jesus that they might live faithfully to their call as his disciple. Now, there were those in the church known as Judaizers, and they were saying, well, yes, a person needs um, Jesus Christ in their life, and they recognize that, that Christ was a necessary component of salvation, But they were also teaching, it's just not Jesus alone, it's Jesus plus something else. And this group were teaching that Gentile believers in particular, who were coming to faith in Christ, that they needed to abide by the law, even to the point of of circumcision. And that, that all followers of Jesus, they taught, needed the law as a moral compass and a guide so that they would live lives of Christ-like character and virtue. Now that's what this faction was teaching. And what Paul is specifically addressing is saying, no, 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 it's not Jesus plus anything else. It's salvation through Christ alone. And he says, don't turn back uh, to the old ways, to the way of the law, because God's perfect law was fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that the law was intended to point the way to Jesus and to demonstrate that all of us fall miserably short of God's standard of holiness and righteousness. Uh, If the law could save you, then great, but the reality is it can't. That's why we need Jesus. And so Paul's argument here in Galatians chapter 5 is, 
all you need is Jesus. In fact, that God has filled you with the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christ follower that is the force or the power that enables us to live virtuous lives, to live lives that reflect the very character and nature of the one we celebrate as our Savior, Jesus Christ. That Christ's work of salvation continues in our life through something we call sanctification. That is the work of God in conforming us to the image of His Son and to setting us apart, making us holy. And of course, that work will go on until the day that we are with Him. And uh, in that day, we will be glorified. There will be a complete and total absence of sin. God's work in our lives will be complete. So what Paul is saying is, if you, as a follower of Jesus, are, are living a life in submission to the Spirit that He's filled you with, then your life is going to meet and exceed, if you will, uh, the standard of the law. That, that the virtue and the character of Christ will be present in your life. And so, no, no, no. Don't go back to the old ways, but press into the new way. Because you're a new creation. And God has made that possible and He continues to work in your life through the Holy Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit literally is an expression of Christ's very presence in your life as you exhibit His character and His nature. Okay? That, that's the context here. And so last week we looked at love. This week, we're going to look at joy and kind of keeping with the author of Galatians, our passage that guides us in bearing fruit in prayer. I want to look at a verse in Philippians. Philippians 4, 4. Now, you, you may be familiar with this verse. If you have your Bibles, open it up. It's just one verse I want to look at today. And it says, Rejoice. In the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Can we, can we say that out loud together? Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Alright? Let's do it one more time with that special emphasis on rejoice at the end. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Ready? Rejoice! Alright? Now, I know some of you may be saying, that's easy for the Apostle Paul to say, right? But you don't know the circumstances of my life this morning. You know, maybe there's difficulty in your marriage or with family. Uh, maybe things aren't going so well at work, all right? Maybe there are health issues that you're facing, there could be a variety of external circumstances that influence how you're doing this morning. But the Apostle Paul understands because he's writing this letter, this epistle, from prison. In fact, it's called a prison epistle. And in it, which by the way is called by many 
the uh, epistle of joy. For in it, no less than 16 different times, Paul, writing to believers at Philippi, uses the term joy or rejoice very specifically as to how they are to express the reality of Jesus Christ in their lives. And if you were to just break this book, which is four chapters, into themes, every chapter has a theme around this topic of joy. Now, I love the Life Application Bible, and it does a wonderful job of outlining this book and the themes of each of the four chapters. So, let me give you the outline that you might find in the Life Application Bible. Chapter 1 is Joy in Suffering. Chapter 2 is Joy in Serving. Chapter 3 is Joy in Believing. And chapter 4 is Joy in Giving. Each of the chapters focuses on joy in each of those aspects of the Christian life. Now, this was particularly relevant to the Philippians because they were going through a very hard time. Uh, They were experiencing persecution. Uh, There was suffering. There was hardship. There was opposition. And, And here Paul, as a spiritual father, who is undergoing all those things himself, is writing this letter to them as a means of encouraging them to remain faithful, and not only faithful, but in their distress, in the challenges that they're facing, that they would remain joyful. Okay? That they would remain joyful. Now, I have to share with you, as I look at that that list of the fruit of the Spirit, this is one that, you know, I, I really want the Holy Spirit to release in in my life in in a greater portion. Uh, If I'm praying, right, praying for for the Holy Spirit to bear fruit, His fruit in my life, this is one I want. Because I don't know about you, but I'm so susceptible to getting kind of knocked off balance emotionally or spiritually based on the external circumstances of my life. Can anyone relate to that? Well, I know I can. You know, I kind of go up or down based on what's going on out here in a variety of circumstances or relationships that are part of my life. And I know the same is true for each of us. And yet, Paul is saying it doesn't have to be that way. That the thing that distinguishes us as followers of Jesus is that there, there is a steadiness There is a foundation that we can stand on. And and there is a great internal reality that cannot be determined by the external circumstances of our life. And that for each of us, regardless of the circumstances, there can be a joy that's present. And that that is a great testimony to those who are looking at us as followers of Jesus. Now, When you think of that joy, that internal joy, that that joy that isn't uh, determined by your external circumstances, right? Um, 
you say, what, what does that look like as it's expressed? Well, I want to show you a, a, a video of, of how one congregation expresses that joy. So let's look at that video. Okay, now Beth and Larry Smith are, are missionaries in Kenya, Africa. They're missionaries from this church. And uh, you could see Beth there and Larry. And they were with this congregation in a, in a part of Kenya that is heavily Muslim, which is why we can't post this. We can't share this outside of this congregation. Because to do so would, would put this congregation at risk. Because every day of their lives as Christ followers, they, they live under the threat of persecution. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that would be a reason to hang my head. But did you see that? Did, did you see their expression, their, their outward expression of that inward reality of the presence of Christ in their life? Now, I don't know about you, you can't manufacture that in the conditions that those people live in, in the persecution that they face, and the threat that is imminent every day of their lives, that, that is the work of the Spirit. That is a fruit of the Spirit that's being expressed in their worship, in their, in their joyful worship. I'm going to show you a quote. It comes from scholar Gordon Fee. He says, the absence or presence of joy is unrelated to one's circumstances. Now, he's talking about the joy that is the fruit of the Spirit. He's not talking about the, the happiness that the world celebrates that's based on external circumstances. He's talking about the inward reality of the release of the life of Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that the absence or presence of joy is unrelated to one's circumstances. It's related entirely to what God has done for us in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three themes throughout Paul's writings in the New Testament that I think give us a real insight that, that help us understand why he could write the Philippians a epistle or letter of joy and encourage them to have joy in all circumstance. And as Gordon Fee says here, the joy in all circumstances comes because we're called to rejoice or have joy in the Lord. In the Lord. And the Lord transcends anything that we face in life. Now, there are three things, three th themes that we see throughout all of his writings in the New Testament that I think give him cause 
to express that joy and encourage us to have it also. Number one, Paul was keenly aware of Christ's presence in his life. That no matter what he was facing, no matter what he was going through, that Christ was present through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he had that ongoing relationship, that walk with the Lord, and that the Lord was present with him no matter where he was, regardless of his circumstances. That's why later on in chapter 4 he says, I've learned to live with a lot, I've learned to live with a little. He says, I've learned the secret of contentment. He had a keen awareness of Christ's presence. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Let's look at this passage. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. You and I are God's possession to the praise of His glory. And He marks us through the infilling of His Holy Spirit that we have His continual presence and power in our life. Look at Romans 8, 37-38. Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor principalities, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good news? The presence of the Lord. Nothing can separate us from that. I love what Matthew Henry has to say about this passage. Whenever believers may be, whatever believers may be separated from, enough remains. None can take Christ from the believer. None can take the believer from Him. And that is enough. And so Paul understood the presence of the Lord, but he also understood that he had a purpose. That even in the difficulty, even in the hardship, there was a greater purpose that was being served. Ephesians 2, 8-10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We, we talked about that this morning at baptism. Now check this out. Isn't this good? Talk about purpose. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. How could Paul have joy in any and all circumstances? Because it was a fruit of the Spirit in his life and it came from his knowledge of Christ's presence and Christ's purpose. In fact, earlier in the book of Galatians, he writes this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He understood what His life was all about. He understood His purpose. So He was aware of presence. He was aware of purpose. 
But the third thing is, he was aware of the promise. That regardless of anything else, what's being added to one's life, what's being taken to one's life, there is the promise. And that is the promise that God will fulfill his work in us and through us. That someday we will fully receive that inheritance that is waiting for you and me and all followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul writes to the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4, uh, excuse me, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. He writes this, speaking of the difficulty and hardship that he had been in- encountering. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, catch this. He had a choice. You and I have a choice. We can fix our eyes on the things that are external. And in the case of difficulty or trials or hard circumstances, we can can look at that and let that be our focus. Or we can do as the Apostle Paul suggests. For uh, for For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all so that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so clearly, he gazed at his circumstances, but he focused on God's promises. And he knew that in Christ, those promises were not only being fulfilled, but will be fulfilled. And that's what he chose to focus on presence purpose and promise I love the Heidelberg Catechism 1563 just want to read it to you as we move into our time of communion here's the question what is your only comfort in life and in death now people try to take comfort in a lot of things But I promise you, those things will let you down. Those things will disappoint you. There's only one comfort in life and death. And here is the answer to that question. That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of His own blood has fully paid for all of my sins, And has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. That he protects me so well that without the will of my father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That is our comfort, our only comfort in life and death. And that, I believe, is why we can, as the Apostle Paul suggests, rejoice in the Lord. 
and that regardless of what's going on right now in your life, in my life, that we can rejoice because we do have Christ's presence. We are aware that we have a purpose and we can focus on his promise. The night before he went to the cross, he gathered his disciples and they had a meal. We call it the Last Supper. And there, he talked about things like presence and purpose and promise. And he used very two simple things, bread and wine, to illustrate a point. He took bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, eat this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and foreshadowing the pouring out of his own blood. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Whenever you drink this, drink this cup in remembrance of me. So that whenever we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we declare Christ's death until he comes again. And he is coming again. This morning, you're invited. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, regardless of where or what you call your church home, if you're a follower of Jesus, this table is open to you. You are welcome to come to the table. And I invite you to come this morning expecting to encounter Jesus in a fresh and a new way. Uh, perhaps it's a, a way that you need to be reminded of His presence. Well, He's present in the sacrament of communion in, in a way that it's a mystery. We don't understand it, but it's a work of His grace in and through this sacrament. And so come expecting to encounter Him. Or maybe it's coming and asking Him for a renewed sense of purpose in your life. Or even to focus on the promise and the promises that He gives to us are greater than any of the temporary hardships or difficulties we may be facing in our life today. And it's a focus, maybe a realignment of our, of our focus on those promises. But whatever it is, come expecting to encounter Him today. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the, the fruit of Your Spirit. And Lord, this morning we, we ask that in the power of Your Holy Spirit that You would release Your joy. A joy that is greater than any circumstance. Uh, a joy, Lord, that really expresses the internal reality of Your presence in our life. Father, as we come to this table, remind us of your presence. Renew our sense of purpose. And Lord, help us to focus on your promises. For those are far greater than anything we encounter on this earth. Bless us now as we come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you'd come and take the bread... Hold on to the cup and we'll share that together uh, at the end of communion. Come as you're ready.